Hello folks and welcome to my interview with Patrick Monaghan. Now, I'd been talking to Patrick on Skype uh, via the video connection. Uh, we were talking about the fact that his mother was from Iran, his father was Irish and he was working out in Iran and that's how he met his mother. And uh, Patrick was the youngest of three children and they left Iran when he was two. Um, the reason um, I'm not going to play back that section on this interview is because it was breaking up a little bit due to the fact that uh, we were using a video connection so we switched to audio and the sound got a bit better after then so here comes the interview um, from that point on, on when we're just starting to talk about Patrick's grown up in the north east of England I hope you enjoy the interview thanks very much, cheers uh, Aye, so basically you're grown up in the north east of England then it's quite a funny place really, everyone's a bit of a character there, yeah? Yeah and, um, oh, definitely. I mean, that's why uh, that's why I think it's perfect mix for comedy. I mean, because you've already got, um, you know, the great parentage. I mean, everyone in stand-up talks about their parents in the background, which is brilliant. You know, so you've got the Irish who everyone knows about the Irish. Like, it doesn't matter which country you are in, you know, everyone knows about Irish people and the stereotypes. And then you've got the Iranians, uh -huh. which, you know, again, they're massive, um, massive, you know, because of always in the news, not maybe not so much their stereotypes, like people would know as much as they do as the Irish, but they know the main things about Iran and stuff like that. And then um, and then I suppose I was lucky because, particularly because I do most of my comedy in Britain, and, the, and I suppose one of the best parts, I always find it easy, I mean I'm probably slightly biased, but I think the further north you are, the easier it is to do comedy because you've got that sort of northern accent you know whereas the south i mean i, I think south's nice but uh -huh. they've always got that where you hear anyone with an accent people are already assume that they're already going to be better off than what they're going to talk down to them so you know you've always so they don't really have as much warmth and then the midlands is all right because it's not really as exotic is it and then the more northern you go it's just quite funny isn't it and yeah. there's nothing funnier than you know someone with a you know, a Lancashire accent or a Geordie accent or a Glaswegian or a Highland accent or just something, you know, a bit like daft where people think, oh, God bless him because he's, you know, they, they yeah. must live in a, in a house with an outside toilet. <laughs> yeah, it can be quite an effective tool. And plus, our sense yeah. of humour, um, not just the accent, our sense of humour in the North is a bit more, um, you know, broad because we've kind of been beaten yeah. down. It's a harder life in a lot of respects. So you need that sense yeah. of humour. Exactly. I think, and that's, well, that's the whole point of comedy, I think, is that um, you've got to, I think people feel like this, is you've got to be able to laugh at yourself. And you talk about how uh, how tough you've had it so that people can laugh with that, as opposed to, um, you know, where um, no one's really going to laugh at a comedian who comes on and talks about how great his or her life is and about how much money they're there. But it's always about people who've never, you know, it's always about people like... Um, the comics who, who've always had down and out look or they've always but they saw this struggle and had a hard childhood and that's what people I mean you look at people like Peter K, Billy Connolly or Dave Alvin he's asked through the history of time you know it's always been people who have you know they've always you assume that even though we don't really know about their real life background you always just assume that they come from you know like 10 kids all living in like one bedroom house or two bedroom house and quite a rough bringing but you just love that story you know just love the way they come from like rags to bleaches 
Yep, and it's the way they kind of, you know, relate those everyday stories that kind of happen to everyone. They put it in their yeah. personal spin on it, but at the same time, you, you start Ooh. relating to that, and then you kind of laugh at the the healing that's kind of brought out through somebody saying that, kind of recognition of yeah. those tough times. No, definitely. I think, and that's exactly because well, they'll have done everything that you do, you know, like they, um, like observation comedy is obviously massive at the moment, but it's always been pretty big where, and yeah, and they do, they do exactly the same thing that, that we all do yeah. every day, you know, people watching them, yeah. who pay money to see them in the audience so they can relate to them as opposed to, you know, you, it's very difficult for someone. I mean, I'm just assuming, but it's probably very difficult for somebody sort of brought up in in sort of such a wealthy background or an affluent background who's, who's never really had to do after stuff, and they or they've never used public transport, they've never done this or or never have experienced the same things everyone else. So it's hard for them to sort of stand on the stage in front of you know yeah. 500 people, or 200 people, or 2,000 people from working class stands off of any sort of times and talk about, you know, oh God, it's difficult, you know, it was difficult for me growing up doing this and that. And then mm-hmm. and then they talk about like a but like a fleet of five cars or whatever to the family. <laughs> so you're just like, okay, are people really gonna believe this? I mean they could probably do it as a character, but uh-huh. yeah, I just and I think that's the that is probably why again why Northern comics are slightly luckier. Although but then saying that there's there's probably comics from Towns like Plymouth or Portsmouth or Exeter, and these places right down the South Coast, who were just from quite working for Southern lot, and they could probably just do as well up north or, or in any of these towns, as long as they, yeah, just they pitch the right, you know, uh-huh. hit it with the right, um, hit it with the right sort of observations, connections, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it is, I mean, that classic thing where you've got a northern accent and you talk about, you know, because all the towns up there, they are, even though they're so. Proud and so different, and they all have their rights. Well, they are literally just micro little ones of each other. They've got a slightly different yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, just you know, and their still works was the other side. Town has it to this side, so it's just it's hilarious. Uh-huh. So, I mean, your type of comedy, you do relate to people um, very yeah. much so on that human level. You know, you come at them as one of them, really, practically yeah. more than most comedians, I would say. Um, so what got you into comedy? When you started, um, was that the kind of uh, way you approached it, or how did you get in, and what was your first steps in comedy like? Yeah, no, I would say I always, I mean, as um, as a kid, I didn't even know what stand-up was, but I always loved the idea of just entertaining people, just talking and stuff. So, so family parties and stuff, you'd get up and do something and that kind of thing? Yeah, exactly, that was it. I just originally, um, you know, I just wanted to... Um, it, it, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a job, but I knew that it wanted to involve people, it wanted to involve talking and stuff. Uh-huh. And it was literally, um, and then I done, and it was literally just doing this, was just like falling into it because it was like um, a case of, you know, I didn't know what jobs would. I mean, it was it be either like working in a supermarket on a tannoy or working somewhere where you would get to speak to so many people and see different people all the time. And then, and then I went to visit my brother and he moved down south and he was saying you know there's loads of these like little pub gigs where you can come and just get up on stage and you can spot people and listen to you and do like your comedy stuff you know you you like funny stuff you just get up and talk and and i didn't realize what it was i mean it was such and then you know it's such one of them cultures where they're like, oh okay then this is great what you just get up and <laughs> i literally just did it and i thought and i remember doing it and i thought oh my god even before it i was 
quite worried and I was thinking, why am I, oh, all right. you know, you've got nothing to lose, it's down. But then even, then when I'm on stage, actually, after a I thought, wow, yeah, this is, this is the job I'd love. That's what, this is for me. Yeah, perfect. Such a laugh. This is it. You know, you just stand up there, just talk and just, you know, and people are listening, this is sort of thing. And I was just thinking, God, if I can get paid for this. You know, this <laughs> That's a bit of yeah, isn't it? It's brilliant. So this did, is great. Did, did you prepare anything for that first time? Because you know, a lot, a lot of the time you improvise quite a lot of the audience, yeah. Yeah. No. Oh God, no. Actor. I mean that. Yeah, because I didn't know. Um, like, because that's what I thought. All people did. I thought, you know, I didn't really know much about comedy, but I just thought, um, you know, you just go there and you've obviously you want to have some topics or some stuff to talk about. So, yeah. so yeah, I had loads of stuff about. Look, but a lot of it was just very topical stuff, uh, stuff that was in the paper. I remember, I think, Chris Evans, Spice Girls, it was just general topics. And then, obviously, talking about stuff I liked growing up as a kid, a bit of TV, stuff like that. I think it was, I think Jim Bowen probably got mentioned, and it was stuff like that, you know. And then, um, then I remember doing the gig, and um, and it was great fun. I mean, the audience were very black, they sort of stared and thinking, bloody hell, okay. And then I just kept talking, talking. <laughs> and then... But then I did a, then I, so I thought, oh, this is great. Then I, so then I did another gig a couple of days after, or then, then another gig a week after that. I had a few gigs. But, but then I didn't realise, I thought you just kept talking. So I just kept talking about different stuff. And, and then it was only after a bit I realised when you'd see other people, you think, oh, actually, these people are just doing the same thing. So maybe you can try and write a set or an app. And then, so I did try and do that as well. So I started to write, like, just set pieces or stuff like that. But then after a while, I thought, yeah, that's good. But then I thought, oh, you know what, I'll mix it up and then start. And it, and it actually took me years and years before I managed to just go back to freestyle or just to sort of talking again. It's so weird. You have to go through that cycle. You yeah, know, where... that's actually what happened to me. I mean, yeah. it's basically, you you need stuff to fall back on, I think. Mm. You need stuff that you can yeah, pull out that's got a punchline that people say, oh, it's worked on that. And then, okay, you've impressed them to a certain extent. Then you can go waffling again. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I did. Yeah, because I remember you, you did the character as well, didn't you? And then you did all bits and then and then you did songs and stuff like that, yeah. And you, but you've got like a set piece of that now, haven't you? Um, I've got I've got material that I do, but it's kind of old because <laughs> I don't perform yeah. that much, you know. That's another thing when you're performing a lot and you're making up stuff, mm. you know, you're coming up with stuff and then the next night you can refine that a wee bit and stuff, you know. Yeah. You really need to be doing it to kind of generate ideas and thinking about it. That's it, yeah. The brain, exactly. the, the brain kind of makes says, "Oh, I've got a gig on Friday. I better think of something for him to say." You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, you just started doing the comedy. You done open mics and you you started writing material. And what stage did you win the take the mic? You got an ITV's take the mic. How did that come about? God, yeah, that. I mean, that was literally um, like a a brand new app competition, uh-huh. but they sort of put it onto telly. They put it on ITV. So. Um, I can remember doing because there was. Um, I remember they came round and just asked loads of, like they would turn up to open mic gigs and getting loads of uh, new comics to just audition coming to do this thing. So, so I um, I went yeah, it's brilliant, you know. And I I know I hadn't been going very long. I've probably been going about six months or three months. Where I thought oh, this is brilliant, you know, you get get a chance to do like five. You only have to do five minutes. Yeah. Uh, competition you go spend the day doing workshops thing yeah. and um i remember that our like mentor on the day was stephen kamos and i'd never met him before i was like you know it's a big comic i thought wow this guy brilliant so who was that turned up, who was that uh, stephen stephen kamos stephen k okay uh-huh. 
Yeah, think so he was, um, and, but we wouldn't, we weren't told who it was, and then you go and get to meet him. And I remember there was uh, five of us on the course, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, uh, like five of us on this day thing that you turn. And it, obviously, it was like every week they would film this, take the mic, so they would do like different. Um, they did like a couple of different episodes. So like the one I did mine, I, I just you didn't think because you know you're up against people who've been going for a couple of years or whatever, and it's like me and someone else who was like literally brand new, we don't be going six yeah. months or whatever. Yeah. But then I think that helped in our advantage. It was actually easier the newer you were because you literally just, you know, could just do bang for five minutes, you know, do your stuff. Yeah. Whereas once you, like now it's always, I think it's harder now, the more experience you get to do. If someone said, all right, do a five minute set, it just because it would take you like three minutes, four minutes just to get to the mic to say hello, you know, it's yeah. so hard now. Whereas I think back then it's dead easy, the new you're like, bang, bang, yeah, I'm dead excited, bang, I can just get straight into talking. Yeah. So, um, and I think that sort of helped me really. I think it was good that you know, it was you at competition and only doing five minutes, so it was dead, and, you know, it was like, wow, yeah, brilliant. And I just went on and just went, joke, joke, joke. And I just did like all my Irish in and stuff and uh-huh. talked about who I was by then. and 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 I think that sort of helped a little bit. You know, it was good. They they did a workshop where you would watch like all of us, all five comics competing, would watch each other and would work together and workshop. And then and then it was great because you'd watch it and think, oh my god, actually these people are actually doing jokes. They're pausing, they're doing that. So then it would make you have to do the same thing. Right, okay, well, I better mm-hmm. you know I better sort of deliver it more as a joke and pause and do all that. So it was um, yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, I think, and, and I mean, the only thing was, I, I don't think many people watched it, um, but then it, but then it was great for what it did. You know, it was just sort of good because it gives you that, you know, you're dealing with your nerves. You, you're on like um, in front of TV cameras and it's yeah. going out the TV audience, so you've got to do that thing where it's good for you to uh, get used to that pressure. Because obviously, as you as you start doing more comedy, mm-hmm. and then when you you do stuff uh, later on. Uh, you have to get used to that pressure as well, but it's not because it's not just a live audience. You've got to get used to playing to camera if the camera's filming it and stuff. And then, but obviously, people at home be watching it and stuff. Or if you do a DVD, you've got to learn how to play to an audience, but also to someone watching on the sofa as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, even in the early days when there was a video camera on, I used to always have a bad gig. You know, I don't know if it was just Ooh. in the mind, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, but that, that's the thing. And we all, I remember. <laughs> Everyone would do that. You could tell the difference between a comic and even some great comics. You know, you you work with them and, like, you know, you've seen their act yeah. a million times. Like, you know, when you gig with the same people yeah. and then you go and do something like this or a TV recording and you've seen them do the same job where you think, oh, yeah, this is going to kill and then it doesn't do as well and you just know it's just them. You just think, bloody yeah. hell. Uh-huh. That one camera is just, just <laughs> the camera's there. It's totally thrown their, just thrown them up their whole psyche and everything off it's just from their whole yeah. time and everything they're just because they're so conscious of that camera mm-hmm. and i think that's the that's the thing but the thing is it's like doing stand-up you know where if you're um if you're only so used to playing to so many people here or whatever and then suddenly one day <laughs> they put in you know a thousand people they put in this day then it's going to throw you it's the same as that camera you just got to get used to every day doing that mm-hmm. and i think that's why you know you've just got to learn yeah, I mean, just learn doing the gigs and imagine the camera's there or not, you know? And I think that's the problem, I suppose, with, with a lot of TV comedy now. You just, you know, then you forget that 
some comments really we're just not used to that we're just used to we like a live audience and then uh-huh. you forget that, that you know that because they put the camera there oh my god that it's like putting a big massive arrow <laughs> you try not to focus on so is that what you do? You just try and pretend it's not there and carry on as normal? You just yeah, block, block just it sort of like, yeah, just treat it as if it's like, you know, just another person who's watching the gig, you know, the cameraman, play to the cameraman and then oh, as right. if he's just another punter who's stood in the aisle with everyone else who's there. So oh, right. That's quite a good way to approach it then. Yeah. Treat the, the camera as your friend kind of thing and then you yeah, want to, yeah. Exactly, just try and make him laugh. God, yeah, if you can make the cameraman laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so that competition, you went through the take the mic and then on, on the... You, was that a big final for that? Was that a big kind of showcase for the end of that? No, no, that was great because, I mean, oh God, it was a big final for that. It would kill me because oh, right. I was literally going for about six months. Uh-huh. And what was great about that one was, so you'd, you'd do the thing. Uh, and then we could record, record it. Through, uh-huh. um, you'd, you'd find out you got through to um, to take them out that they'd all, like, get loads of new comics they wanted. Uh, we'd turn up literally on the Thursday morning with the four of the comics of the five of us, we do like a workshop, all go through our act, uh, meet our mentor on the day, like this big, like in every every episode, every yeah. series, they've got like a big comic to come in, mm-hmm. established comic, so like we got Stephen Kermot, and then literally, um, you'd workshop all day, till about five, six o'clock, have, a, have an hour off, half an hour for lunch, go through stuff, come back and then do the live show in front of an audience. Oh, right, yeah. In, in the comedy cab and literally in uh it was actually in um in a place but on commercial street called um the it was like near aldrich it was like something like a like a, a little tiny art century thing called like uh, the arts cafe or whatever it's called mm-hmm. and then and then literally they come back and then i think actually the actual i think it was amos again who actually hosted it on the night um, and he actually, so there was an audience in there, they filmed it with an audience, cameras there. But to be honest, you, you totally forget about the cameras and all that because you're just so nervous playing that because it was quite a, a nice audience, particularly as in, I was such a, a new comedy, you know, Mike is suddenly seeing this like a, a decent big audience and looking at So you got there and then you just did your, uh, you did your set and then they told you that on the end they had like a, a vote from the audience and the judges. And then, uh, and then that's it. And then you got, and then they told you that there and then who won, and and then I won on the night. I was like, oh my god! And it was, I was looking at a nice spot, and and you know, you just have one of them nights, you know, where you're just hitting it. And I was like, bang, bang, oh, bang. and it was great because mm-hmm. it was me and uh, there was a couple of us in there who just had a great gig. And then it was one of those things where, and then just you looking just went on the right time, and it was only like five acts, so it's good. It wasn't like a long night, or nothing. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, that was much better. Whereas if I had to. If we had to like do the thingy and then come back the next day or a week later and do that, that would probably have killed me back then because I was so so new. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't be asleep probably. Oh my, you'd be so nervous and excited. It was just good just to get it over. With. <laughs> uh, so how did you take go from that kind of stage then to you know appearing at your own uh, show at the Edinburgh Festival with a management company and stuff like that? Does it, does yeah, it, was it just well, was it just I a natural progression? Yeah. Sorry? Was it just like a natural progression? You get picked up, or what happened? Yeah, I mean, well, um, no, you, I mean, it was, it's a bit above. You have to sort of push it. I remember, um, so I um, carry on doing the gigs, and then literally uh, at the time as I went and did um, the Avalon had a, a and Daily Telegraph had a like a comedy competition run together, 
And then, um, again, so I entered that one. Like, because that's all you do in your first year or your first six months, you just enter yeah. loads of competitions. It's the only way you'll get gigs. Mm-hmm. And um, so I entered that one, did a heat in London, and I, I, I won that heat, so I got invited up to And then I went up to the final in Edinburgh. And then when I went up there and I did that, and then I realised, well, I'm up there for a couple of days, because I didn't even know what the festival was. I was... I didn't even know it existed. And then I went up there and then you see all these shows and you're like, bloody awesome, this is what happened. And then we went around the conference, we saw stuff, so we thought, right, brilliant, this is um, this is what we, you know, should hopefully try and aim to do this. And then I carried on doing gigs from that. And because I was in the final, um, uh, me, there was a couple of us in that final, the, the producers or some people were in there and the following year they invited us to come up and do like a 300 Edinburgh where we do 20 minutes each. So I went up and did that. And then um, and then the following year, uh, we sort of got an agent from that because I was lucky. He just, But it took me about three to four years, I would say, before I got an agent. Uh-huh. But, and they saw me in that show. Um, and then they said, okay, do you want to come back up? And then we did a two-hander and the big value show. And then the following year, then I went up and did a solo show. And then I kept doing it just because you've built that momentum. Uh-huh. So you want to keep that going. There's no point, you know, I thought like... <laughs> If you started doing all this, and also I was lucky because when you went up and did the two, like the three hander shows, compilation shows, and the two hander show, there were there wasn't as much pressure. You didn't have to spend that much money. It was already sort of all taken care of. It was all quite, you know, low budget. It wasn't like crazy sort of thing. Whereas, you know, if you were going up as a solo act, oh my god, you have to pay all this crazy PR, publicity, promises. You have to pay for your accommodation, yourself for everything for you. Whereas when you're doing it with two or three people, it's great. Everything is just splitting the cost. And also, you couldn't, you, 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 we were flying for times ourselves, or, you know, you could all cheat in and stuff. Yeah, that helps to be a creative when you first start, rather than yeah, be stressful. So, I mean, I've seen you do the show, uh, Do the Right Thing. I think that was back in 2007. Was, oh, that, yeah. was that your first uh, one man show? Uh, I think that would have been my third. Your it would have been, yeah, because I would have done. Uh, I think my first show was was called Game On, and it was just um, me talking about like childhood games and everything that you know we growing up to adults and just saying about like the games you like then as an adult, uh-huh. and then and then that was the Gilded, and then I went and did um, Underbelly, which was the roadmap to peace, and then do the right thing. Yeah, so I think that they were all about the um, uh, that would be sorry, one two. Uh, one was competition, two was that compilation, three compilation. So four was Roadmap to Peace, five, uh, sorry, Roadmap to Peace, five, six was maybe Feel Love, Do the Right Thing, seven. So yeah, that was probably about my fourth, fourth solo show, third or fourth. Uh-huh. Did you, I mean, the show was like, you know, it was it was a show, it was, it was all written practically <coughs> as, as a piece. Yeah. Um, so did you, right. did you take stuff from your club set into that or do you sit down and write an Edinburgh show? How do you develop your show? Yeah, I mean, I um, I would have, uh, I mean, for that or particularly if you're the man, when I first started like that, yeah, I would have just, because you wouldn't have got that many previews, so I would have just tried to do stuff in the clubs. But also at the time, I wasn't playing like the big clubs anyway because I was still... You know, you're still trying to break into some of the clubs. So, mm-hmm. so I was lucky in a way that you know you could do more storytelling. Whereas, um, whereas now it's funny because if you do the clubs now and still do the festivals in Edinburgh, like I still do the clubs sometimes now and again, and I've noticed that if you drop in and do the clubs, 
and you do 20 minutes, even it doesn't matter how good the story is, like you could have like a, a, a six minute story or a, or a seven minute story or a five minute routine that is so good that works in your, your hour long tour show, your Edinburgh show. Uh -huh. But when you do it in a club and you're doing 20 minutes, it's just too long. You want to just keep it to two minutes maximum. Okay. I mean, if you anything longer than two minutes or three minutes, you, you're going to be like, you know, you're really going to be trying to hold that audience because they're, um, you know, their concentration span is so much shorter yeah. than, than like a theatre crowd or a, or a festival crowd. But um, well, so different. what I used to do was, I mean, particularly like that roadmap to peace, that would have been, um, I mean, I don't really necessarily write in shows, but that would have been more thing than, than most of them, definitely, because it would have been like, you know, I wanted to talk about the whole thing that was in the news at the time, which was, you know, America and the UN and everyone was, you know, trying to develop a roadmap to peace. And, and then obviously every time anything's mentioned in the news, it's always about, you know, putting that roadmap to peace in the Middle East and about Iran and all these places. So I thought, well, you know, and I thought, well, you know, we've got heritage in Iran. So I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put my solution to um, write about the roadmap to peace and see if I can, you know, come up with a better solution. And then it just ended up really being um, being about sending Lionel Richie out <laughs> to, uh, you know, walk tall back to the random <laughs> or to the Middle East where they're just trying to find terrorists. So it was a bit fun. So good to be as any, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> basically, so you don't do much club sets now, do you just mainly do your full show? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I still, uh, do you know what, my, um, I mean, my agent and people said, look, they said, like, you know, just concentrate on your tour and do your full shows, but, but I always miss it, so what I do is, when I've got gaps the time off, I say, yeah, I just go and do, I'll do the club shows, but, I mean, yeah, before, the diary would be, like, you would spend most weekends just doing clubs, and, you know, I could, I could give a monkeys wherever it was, you, you might do a genres, or you might do, um, or you might just do, like, um, uh, you know, the comedy club in Manchester or Liverpool or anywhere or Newcastle, you know, wherever it was. And you would just do it. And then, um, but then now, with the lucky touch wood, you would go and spend um, a couple of months, like I'd do a tour now, February, March, April, May, and then, you know, do like 15, 20 days, doing little art centres and all things. And so we do, most of them are over the weekend. So midweek, I'd go and do some little. Uh, smaller gigs or, or student gigs or anything like that and then and then um in the summer is obviously it's all previews and festivals and then it's edinburgh in august mm -hmm. and then and then again and then start in september october november sometimes i do a little some other little tours as well if there is any art centers that we missed and then it's a lot of corporates as well so you'll do loads of them sort of shows mm -hmm. and then and then yeah and then it's and then any any time that's left is just we'll just go and do club gigs, uh -huh. which is great, you know, not a problem. I mean, I, I whereas you know, some people they can you can get a bit lazy where they'll go, well, you know what, I'll just concentrate on just doing the theatres and the arts and that that's it, and then the time I'll just take that as time off. But I think you don't want to do that where, you know, it's like when we were saying with you, you said it's like you know when you're in Turkey, it's so much harder in it where. If you have to wait a month or two months, yeah, and that's the same for me. Where I would just go, and also, I suppose it's easier for me in these people because here there's no excuse. I mean, I can't sit here for a month, yeah, and then really, no, round the got really, it's just laziness because I could just, you know, there's a comedy club here, 
where I could just go to a company, you know, five minute walk or ten minute walk to a company because there's no excuse for me yeah. just to sit going, oh, you know, <laughs> I might just wait. Well, I thought you would need to do the clubs so that you could um, get an audience for your tours, you know? Yeah, no, well, and that's the other thing as well. That's why I think you need, I mean, the only problem is some of the art centres and theatres have a clause that you're not allowed to play uh, another comedy show within that area, that town, within a space of three months or whatever, <laughs> which makes sense because it, well, it is a bit daft, but then it is, I suppose it does make sense because the problem is, so say you're billed to play, um, like I did not know, say you're billed to play, uh, you know, Preston Town Hall, and it's going to be like £12 a ticket or whatever it is, and then, uh, or you can play the local comedy club, and the comedy club are only charging like, you know, £10 a ticket. Yeah. But the only difference is that, you know, you're only doing 20 minutes, there's three acts doing 20. But the audience don't realise that, don't realise that, so the comedy club will just bill it as going, um, you know, oh, come and see this guy, you know, instead yeah. of paying an yeah. extra £2, let's see him at the town, come and see him play our gig, the yeah. tenor. But then the difference is they don't realise that, you know, yeah, that yeah. if you go and see him at the town, not, they'll be playing they'll be doing their full show for an hour and a half. Yeah. And that and that's very... I mean, I have seen that. I've seen that where they do that for, for big acts like Milton Jones and people like that. I've seen clubs where they've done that where they say, oh, come and see Milton Jones for a tenner as opposed to going and see him for 20 quid yeah. in the theatre. But the thing is, if you go and see him in the theatre, you are going to get a brilliant act. You're going to get to see him for the whole night as opposed to just coming to a club doing 20 minutes and trying out bits and then, you know... Yeah, makes but sense. Then, but, yeah, but it just depends what, you know, what you want. So it's... But um, but yeah, you still need clubs. I mean, for us as a comic, mm-hmm. like, you God, yeah, you've got to. I think you've just got to do the clubs. It's crazy not to. Uh-huh. So uh, I think was it two years ago? Now you won the, the comp- a much bigger competition and take the mic. You won Show Me the Funny. Yeah. Which was, I think oh, probably yeah. the biggest uh, comedy competition on uh, British TV ever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it was hilarious. I mean that. That's the way they pitched it. I think they did it as a thing to say, look, you know, this is like, it's going to be like the new X Factor yeah. for comedy. And um, and I suppose in a way, um, it, it almost was, isn't it? You know, it's a thing where you think, um, you know, you know, it's a big competition where every week you go to different places and then, and then there's going to be a big um, public vote at the end of it. Uh-huh. And, and that's brilliant. You know, it's such a great thing. But the difference to the X Factor is that obviously, you know, we don't, you can't do covers and you can't do stuff that people recognise. So mm-hmm. it's always that thing of whether, you know, and also it's all new jokes anyway. So people, but it, but obviously people don't, and, and there's no backstory, so people wouldn't know who we were anyway. Mm-hmm. So they just come on and just see these comics, some are new, some are older comics, and then, uh, and then just see how they go. But it was such a great fun. And doing the show was probably, I mean, today is probably one of the most exciting shows that I've ever done, just because it was great fun. Every week you go somewhere different. You didn't know what you were doing. We, like, we weren't allowed to know where we were going. We were literally just picked up. You'd go to a train station, wouldn't even tell you which train station, <laughs> and you'd sit on the train, and it was quite fun. You wouldn't even know where the train, right. when it was going to stop. You didn't know which stop we were getting off at. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then yeah, literally to turn up, and then it was quite exciting. It was like, you know, but then literally turn up, and then they go, right, You've got two days to do this. This is your challenge now, and then, then you've got to write this, and then you do this, and yeah, brilliant. And I think, I think all stand-up should should get to do that once a career. Just to it sort of makes you um, keeps you more alive. And it just makes you realise, oh yeah, okay, you know, it just gets you gets used to everything. Because once you've done stuff like that, then you know, 
everything else it's not everything else comes slightly easier because then you think well you know what you know yeah. I can turn up to gigs now and just enjoy it you know knowing that you know you're not going to be judged or that I can picture of new stuff and old stuff is you know, uh-huh. it's not going to be that just to, it's uh-huh. not really going to be that bad to go oh my god just doing a load of new stuff yeah stuff you've you know, just written that, that that day or yeah. whatever so yeah because in the show we had to literally write all new stuff just to put in um and then do it live on TV. Was that, that was, was it actually live? Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was it actually live on TV, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, the, um, when we did, um, when we did the stand-up, uh-huh. um, they filmed, and then, yeah, we weren't allowed to, um, practice it. Like, we weren't allowed to do it in another gig before. It literally was the first time right. we done it, which was yeah. in front of them gigs each week, uh-huh. and they were filmed. Like, the camera, so that was fine, it was like literally doing it first time to camera and to an audience, <laughs> and then that was straight out, you know, that was like ITV audience but all of them pre-recorded, only by about um, months, month or two but, yeah, but then the final was live I mean, that was literally live literally, oh. you know, there was no uh, yeah it was, I think it was like something like a I think they had like a three second delay just in case someone could actually swear or something happened. So yeah. they, they could, but, but it was, that was it, you know, it's live. And it was, um, and, and the reason the other stuff was filmed uh, two months before it went up because the, um, well, it was actually meant to go out literally like meant to be a month before, it was two months before the scheduling, but the, um, but the reason they couldn't put it out straight live was because obviously they had to edit it. So they had to show who did from the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, edit that yeah. together. Yeah. And then to the kids, so that you could, yeah. so they could see that night. So all that would, it took them like three weeks uh-huh. to edit it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a fun show. When uh, when you actually won, were you expecting to, your name to get called out? Or how did you feel you'd done that night? Oh, God, no. I didn't expect to win at all. I mean, I was, I mean, I didn't even expect to get to the final because I thought, oh, God, you know. I thought, okay, you might have a bit of a laugh and, you know, you carry up, it'd be all right to get through for a bit. But then I realised a lot of the, you know, a lot of the people there would uh, were actually quite the joke writers as a few of them. I thought, oh, well, this will be more for joke people, especially just doing the five minutes. Mm-hmm. And also, it's like that thing where, like, take the mic, where it's always it'll favour the newer acts than the older acts because the newer acts are so used to just doing five minutes, whereas yeah. the older more used to sort of getting into more longer routines. When you're doing the five minute set, you can't really you then pull out a three minute routine or a two minute routine, or you can't do callbacks because you've only got literally four and a half minutes and then to wrap up five minutes to get off. Uh-huh. So it's like, um, I'm, uh, and also, um, I remember, and then the judges, I remember they kept sort of criticizing because the thing is, Comedy is so subjective, like one person could love it and the next person could hate it. So it just depends who who you've got, who if they like you or not. Yeah. But I remember when I did it, I mean I was lucky those people like Johnny Vegas and Ross Noble who were lucky who were lovely, but there's a lot of people who just didn't seem to like it. And and I thought, well that's fair enough, you know, that's just gonna be the luck of the draw. And if, if you get someone sad, you thought, well, you probably probably might not even make it to the final because you might not get past any of these judges. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into the fight, I thought, oh, bloody hell, that's lucky. And then you think, well, who knows what the public like? And also, 
I think with when it's a public vote, you always think, well, if you look at things like the X Factor and stuff, it was at that time it was always it's always like women or they always like the female in particular because there was two lads in this final, me and Dad, and there was only Tiff and and I thought Tiff was brilliant. I thought, oh, well, maybe all the women, you know, maybe people just, <laughs> it's only women that really vote on shows like this. So <laughs> it'll probably all, it'll just be women voting for oh. Tiff, Leslie, you know. Well, maybe they'll fancy you, Patrick. <laughs> nah, you don't think that. Not really. I mean, it's not really comics, is it? <laughs> if it was singing, then maybe. Not with the stand-up. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Then, no. Um, yeah, and then, and then also, Dan was from Wales. So then you're thinking, bloody hell, you've got like, you know, Tiffany's from London, but it's about eight to ten million people voting. <laughs> then you've got me from Teesside, which is probably about, I don't know, 100,000. And then you've got Liddy, Dan from Wales, where there's about, you know, four million. Mm-hmm. So you just, so you just think, you know, if it does come to a vote, yeah. If it could regionally or tactically, you think, God, you're buggered. No. So, but then it is, but then I suppose it's one of the things that, oh, you know, it's just, it just goes on the night sort of thing. And then obviously on the night, everyone was just ripping it. So it was just one of them gigs where think, oh God, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I suppose it's just a bit of luck, really. Yeah, that's cool. Did it do anything for your career? Did it get you any, open any extra doors or anything like that? Or just the cash yeah, was handy? I mean, <laughs> it did help. I mean, it's helped in, um, I mean, this is the thing with stand-up or with anything, with any industry, it is, it is like that ladder, isn't it? You know, where you go every step, mm-hmm. but there's always another seed and you've got to try and break through that and then go for the next one. And I think with this, um, you know, it did sort of help me slightly get off the circuit uh, mm-hmm. and it helped me get into more theatres and art centres and, um, and you know, and then, yeah, it gave me a couple of appearances on TV as well. Mm-hmm. Like things like um, Let's Dance for Sports Belief, I did the ITV comedy annual. So it, it did help me with stuff like that. But obviously it only helped you one step, but it didn't help. Like, you know, it's not like, oh my God, you know, this is, it's opened you to everything now. You can, you yeah. can do anything you want. It wasn't you know, like, that, that, it wasn't like Billy Colney going on Parkinson, but we're still playing. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't as, as a I mean, the show's never been up before, that was the thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, it's it, what it's done is it's probably helped you to get onto some Parkinson uh-huh. because you'd need to break through ten steps, and yeah. I think would show me the foot help me break maybe about two steps. So I've still got you know another another eight steps, but, but it's great. I mean, it's, it's still two hurdles that I've got over, which yeah, that are still still take years. I think each tour just takes years and years of just. Crafting, working, working, breaking, and stuff, you know. Yep. Because um, I see you've got you've got a new uh, DVD. Uh, out. Was that, was yeah. that about a year ago it came out? It's the what, sorry? Was that about a year ago that came out? Your, your DVD? Yeah, yeah, so that one came out uh, last Christmas, the, the other Christmas. Uh-huh. And, um, that was and just after the, the Show Me the Funny, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So exactly that was quite, just after. quite handy. Because that, <laughs> that was all like, it was a chance to like choose because uh, I'd looked at different Edinburgh shows or like stand-up shows so it was just to choose a chance just to choose like you know 78 bits of material that I thought so what I did was I, I just took um, cut the bits from older shows only like 5-10 minute routines from different bits of shows yeah. and then I did a load of, uh, a load of yeah, stuff that was quite new that had been stirring as well so I just put all that on the DVD and then and then it's great because then it just means now that when you come to the next DVD, 
you've got other stuff as well you can build on and you've got loads of other things so it's, it's just nice to you know catalogue some of your stuff you know where yeah. it's like you, need, you know like how writers or you know build a library they have their books and stuff with stand up I suppose it's, for us it's just a chance to get it filmed yeah and then got then you've got collections there as opposed to just having notes scribbled on paper and books yeah. you've actually got your routines then recording and filming oh yeah Got that routine, I remember that and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice to have, really. Yep. Did you um, did you have much success with that DVD? Did it sell much? Did... Yeah, it was good. I mean, I remember up north it sold loads, mm-hmm. and it but it's always the case that it will always sell well in hometowns and yeah. stuff like that. Where so we did we did like a DVD signing in HMV mm-hmm. in Middlesbrough where I'm from, and and it sold quite a few then, and and like in that area it did quite well. And then um, northwest, north down south, it wasn't too bad. I mean, but not. I mean, it wasn't going to be huge. Yeah. Never going to be. Yeah. And then, um, but then it. And then Amazon did well. And I think it. I think they sold it in. I think well, they sold it in a couple of supermarkets. And they did quite well there. They, they shifted quite a few. And then, and then it, it's funny because people still buy it now. You still keep saying, "Oh yeah, thanks. I just got this for my birthday." Or, <laughs> got this dude in. Oh, you know, and people tweet you or. So it's really quite nice, that. Yeah, that's cool, yeah. It's, Something it's, keeps coming back for you. Yeah, no, it's perfect. So, and it's, yeah, it's one of those nice things there. You know, it's always, it's just nice that um, that that's there. You know, people can't get to see you live. Uh-huh. They come and they can, they just get your DVD. Yeah. So, I was just wondering uh, what plans you have in the future. I think, are you doing this Hadrian's Wall walk? Yeah, are you doing it? I'm not doing it. Uh, when is it? Uh, it's the end of March. End of March. Start of April. It's going to be about six days, seven days. All right. I'm in Turkey. If I had, if I could get there, I would, but I don't think I can. So, what's the what's I the story with that? Is there a lot of comedians uh, walking on the wall and telling jokes and doing gigs at various spots or whatever? Yeah, that's it. We're literally, it's a fundraiser raising money for uh, children's hospice and for a children's hospital in um, in the northeast. And it's basically Nick Banks who's organised it. Is his friend. Their um, their son had uh, had to go into hospital for this treatment, and uh, so they're just fundraising really for the hospital and stuff. And um, so he just asked a load of comics, and just asked us. And he asked me, he said, "Oh, would I come and do it and do the walk and then host the gig each night?" And I said, "Yeah, of course, it sounds brilliant." Mm-hmm. So literally, and what we'll do is we'll walk ten, twelve miles, fifteen miles each night, stop off wherever we get to, and I mean, it's been planned that we know that we'll sort of end up in. Yeah. certain places and then there's mm-hmm. going to be a gig in each of them pubs each night uh-huh. so and then I'll host it and then whoever comments are with us we'll put them on and then we'll all and then they'll do sets as well so yeah it should be quite good fun yeah that sounds like a good laugh yeah brilliant and it'd be like um, just a good fun really good good experience I think and also uh, be a nice little mini break as well even though you'd be doing a gig and walking for me it'd be just nice to get Clear your head for a week, you know, just go and chill out and stuff. And yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it sounds good to get yeah. some fresh air, some nature, and yeah. uh, take a wee break from the circuit, or whatever. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. So, have you got anything else? Uh, you've got a tour lined up or anything? What's, what's your immediate plans? Yeah. So, I've got a tour uh, kicks off now in February. It goes February, March, April, May, uh-huh. uh, and a few and a couple of dates in June. Uh, and then. Are they all in the UK? Are they all in the UK? Um, well, no, I think um, 
Most of them in the UK, but I'm in Norway for a week, uh-huh. doing a, a, a run of shows there for a week in end of Feb. Okay. And uh, I think I'm going to Bahrain as well in June. And then um, and then the rest, yeah, will be in the UK. And okay. then I'll then do the festivals like uh, Glasgow Festival, Leicester Festival, then not, um, not the Festival, and then obviously Edinburgh Festival in August. Uh-huh. Um Will, will, it be the then, same, yeah. will, will it be the same show you take on your personal tour to Edinburgh? Are you going to write something new for that? Uh, no, no, it'll be a new one. Because what I'll do is, the, the tour show is about an hour and a half. Uh-huh. So what I'll do is, uh, it'll be bits of the last show from August, plus mm-hmm. bits of new stuff. Yep. And then I'll work that through. And then by the end of the tour, mm-hmm. by the end of May, June, yep. uh, it'll, be, it'll be less of the old show, and it'll be hopefully loads of the new show right so that when i come to preview it in july i've pretty much got loads of stuff already that's previewed uh-huh. and just pull together and then just then just make it like a 50 55 minute show uh-huh. that sounds like a good plan yeah uh, okay. he's nice <laughs> <laughs> okay man it's uh, really good to talk to you yeah cheers billy no, lovely to chat to you man when are you back over there um i don't know i'm Basically, I'm a bit skinting now. I'm trying to get to Edinburgh in August, but I've not booked anything definite yet. All right, well, hopefully I'll see you there, man. you have to come down. Well, yeah, so what do you do in Turkey, then? Oh, I'm writing articles for an estate agent right now. Oh, okay. But um, I'm basically struggling, mate. <laughs> do, you have to be, do you have to be in Turkey? No, I don't have to be, no. It's just my son is here, so I'm staying here because I got divorced last year, and uh, my son's here, so I've got no reason to be anywhere else. So that's why I'm still here. Is um, why is your what is your ex-wife Turkish? Yeah. Oh, where did you meet her then? I met her in Sheffield. Oh, what were you doing in Sheffield, mate? Well, she came to see my show last year. It was called Sex, Drugs, and Marriage. It was about my life story. I met her in I met her in a. A nightclub. I was down there to see the Rolling Stones with my right. with my friends, and I met her in a yeah. nightclub on on her birthday the night before. Yeah. And then she came to see the concert the next day, and then we got married a year later. Yeah. And then that was the start of the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but, and how come you got divorced? Then you just you just sort of knock it off. Well, my wife had a history of mental health issues, and then she got cancer, and then she broke her back, and it just wasn't panning out too well, mate. And. Oh. Uh, it just got to a point where it was better for the two of us to go our separate ways rather than just stay together for the sake of it, you know? Yeah, and do you, were you still friends, though? Yeah, well, I'll see her every day because I pick up my son from school and go and have dinner at her house with, with him and her, so it's not oh, too bad. That's all right, then. Yep. It's just, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to set up a new website for myself and... Mm. Uh, I was to say, I'm doing this open mic nights here and I'm, I still plug away, but it's just difficult when I'm not in the UK, you know? Yeah, you just got to keep pushing it, man. Just keep, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I kind of question if I really am good enough to get to kind of your level, you know? So. No, but of course you can, man. Yeah, of course. Just do it. You've just got to, there's only you that can push yourself up and just say, right, I'm going to do this. And, you know, yeah. just well, work it, man. Well, this open yeah. mic thing's quite good for me because it gives me like an hour and a half every two weeks on stage and uh, yeah. you'll never know what comes out of that you know so it's making me think about okay what we're going to do this week so yeah, I'll have yeah, to prepare yeah. something for that you know and it's, it'll keep mm. my hand in kind of thing yeah no good man so I'm still yeah, trying to keep, keep 
Yeah, yeah man. So uh, yeah, good luck with the tour. And uh, Cheers, if, thanks, I don't, if I don't see you before then, I uh, hope to see you in Edinburgh. Yeah, we'll catch up with you. Yeah. Alright, definitely. Thanks, Billy. Right, no Have a good day. I'll send you the link when everything's up on live, okay? The, yeah, no, definitely. Alright, cheers. Thanks, man. I'll see you. I'll hope you see you, see you soon, man. See you in Edinburgh. Okay, take care. Bye bye. Cheers, Billy. Cheers, man. Bye bye. Bye bye.